Hello and welcome to the Quick Release Podcast. I'm Justin Lynch. With me, as always, Scott Brock Wilson. Scott, how are you? I'm doing very well. Sorry I missed out on the last couple podcasts, but I'm glad to be back on the network. Well, it's great to have you back. And uh, also with me here today is Denary Noon. Denary, how's it going? Doing very, very well. Very excited. Thursday night, big night for us Patriots fans. Banner number five, getting revealed. Mr. Kraft apparently has a special surprise for all the Patriots fans, so we'll see. But I'm doing very well. Justin, how you doing? I'm doing great, and I'm excited to get into it. We've got an NFL preview for you today. And um, as Denry said, banner celebration Thursday night, Chiefs-Patriots. Talk about both teams that we'll start, as we always do, with the Patriots. Scott, what do you see from the Pats this season? All right, so going into the season, everyone's saying undefeated season, undefeated season. Can they run the table, go 16-0? and Ever since Edelman went down, that sort of slowed. I think it's almost slowed too much to that point. But the Patriots aren't going to go 16-0 this season. I apologize uh, to you two specifically. And when Denner refers to us as Patriots fans, all of you listeners know that only includes Lynch and Denner. But That's actually that's a real thing. That's a real thing. That's a real thing. Exactly. And looking at the season, I think it's going to start off with a shock for the Patriots. I have the Chiefs pulling it off this Thursday. And then, of course, the Patriots settling back down, going 14-1 and the rest of the way, going 14-2 and overall, winning the AFC East, obviously, being number one in the AFC. I look at the Patriots, it's like a normal Patriots season. There's going to be that one second of panic among Patriots fans, whether it was already the Edelman going down or a certain loss in the middle of the season, and then they'll be fine. They'll at least be in the AFC Championship. And the last two games, who knows? See, I think, I mean, it's, it's definitely an interesting take, and it's very plausible that the Chiefs win on opening night. But I'm on the complete opposite side, and I said this probably six months ago. I looked, I mean, I looked at Justin, and I said, the Patriots are going to win by 100 on opening night. And it's not because they so dramatically outmatch the Chiefs, or there's specific disadvantages that the Chiefs have against the Patriots. It's just, it's the aura about that night, about raising the fifth banner, about Mr. Uh, about Mr. Goodell, about Roger Goodell being back in Foxborough. I know he was there for the first preseason game, but really being back in Foxborough for the first time since 2014. The Patriots fans having the 70,000 Roger Goodell clown towels. And I just think that... There's so much speculation as to this might be the year that Brady finally, finally kind of takes a little bit of that drop and finally actually looks like he might be 40. And I feel like he has so much to prove. Even after winning his fifth Super Bowl, he's so still so motivated. I could see the Patriots coming out here winning by 28 points and just reminding everyone this is who we are. We're still here, and we're not going anywhere. Yeah, I'm not nearly as bold as either of you on the first game of the season. I, I think it's going to be a pass game. I think uh, uh, probably a slow start, and Pats will end up winning. 
relatively tough schedule, especially late. I mean, you're playing at Atlanta, at Denver, at Oakland, at Pittsburgh, at Miami, as always. That's always a tough game for the Pats, though. But a lot of those games are later in the season. So if they can weather the storm for the first four or five weeks, bring Brandon Cooks up to speed, get Danny Amendola into his new role, see what's going on with Philip Dorsett, uh, they could really be good to go by those games. But I think the first few games will be telling, and I think the Pats will start slower than some people will think. Just because that element injury is, is a big thing to adjust to. I'll also say, I mean, I'm definitely worried about I I don't think it's a make or break type thing because it, if you can still win the Super Bowl after losing Gronk, then I think that you can overcome pretty much most things other than losing Tom Brady. So, although I don't think this is going to ruin the Patriots season, I don't think it's going to be the reason they win or don't win the Super Bowl. I mean, this is a big deal, and I think that there's, there's going to be a big transition period early on in the season, like Justin said. And there are – I don't think the Patriots are going to go 16-0 either. I mean, as cool as it would be, like as long as – as long as the Patriots win the Super Bowl in February, I'm I'm good. It'd be really cool to see them go 16-0 and finish it off, go 19-0, and do what they couldn't do 10 years ago. But at the same time, I mean, I think they're going to lose to Atlanta in week six, I think it is, on Sunday Night Football. I think that Atlanta's going to come in. Atlanta's going to be pissed off. I think Atlanta's the best team in the NFC still, and we'll get to that later. And I also look at Pittsburgh. And I think week 14 or week 15 – it's the Patriots' fifth road game in six weeks, including two games in Denver and Mexico City. I think that that, fifth, that that last game at Pittsburgh is one that could definitely be a trap game on a short week coming back from Miami. I just I think that those are two very losable games for the Patriots. I mean, I would say it's even more than that. I mean, they're over-unders at 12.5. I wouldn't be surprised they won 11 games uh... It's, it's a young team defensively, and it's a young team everywhere except for the quarterback position. Um, take more time to grow and build together, and there are going to be tough times in regular season that maybe they don't react to as well as they will in the playoffs. So, I mean, I'm not worried about the Patriots. I think the Patriots are the best team in the league. And I think if they win 11 or 12 games in the regular season, there's no reason to read into that. As saying they're more vulnerable than they were last year. I think you guys are being way too low on your boys right now. You got it, you're going in with the Justin Lynch and Scott Brock Wilson approach to Notre Dame and Michigan, talking about how oh you can you feel like you can lose every game right now. Patriots aren't going to lose oh, to the Dolphins this year. Patriots, Let me just quickly Patriots interrupt aren't you. Patriots lose to the Dolphins this year. Like like yes, all of those games are potential losses, but because they're the Patriots, you know they're going to win. 80% of those potential lost games, of the actual difficult games. Let me just interrupt you real quick because, I mean, we're, we're, we have this kind of far-fetched, over, overarching look on the season right now when we have this wide range of games that we look at. But when, we get, when it comes to Sunday and the game starts and we're sitting there watching the game, I mean, we sit there – with absolutely zero belief that any that the other team is going to beat the Patriots, I wholeheartedly yeah. agree with that statement. Like there's not there during the regular season, there's not one nervous bone in my body during any individual game that we're going to lose. Now we might lose that game. I mean, we saw it in Seattle, or we saw it against Seattle last year. I mean, Buffalo was a little different because Jacoby Brissett was starting with a torn hand, <laughs> but. We saw it, especially with Seattle, and even after the Patriots lost to Seattle, 
me and Justin were sitting there going, I still feel like we're going to win this game. So it's, it's this, when you look at it with a more broad approach and look at the entire season, you, I mean, you force yourself to try and pick out games that you think are going to be losses, but when you're in the moment and that, when that kickoff takes place and it's Sunday afternoon and they start playing, I mean, there's no part of me that thinks that they're going to lose on that given Sunday, but it's a, it's a lot. So we all think the Patriots are the number one seed in the AFC. Yeah, I think that's a good point. In the um, AFC. On the other side, but moving forward, on the other side of it is, is the Chiefs, and the Chiefs are in. I mean, they're in a tough division. What can I say? I mean, Denver's always poking around. You should look for uh, for Trevor Simeon to have a, an improved year this year. Um, we'll see if C.J. Anderson can stay healthy and, and be good offensively. But he has weapons on the outside, and they always have a good defense. Um, and obviously. The Raiders are in that division as well, and and the Chargers should be primed for a better season. I mean, I, I can't imagine they're going to be great, but uh, they could they could be interesting. So, I, see, I mean, I think the Chiefs are a much more interesting case, obviously, but I, I don't think they're going to win 12 games. I, I think that AFC West is the most interesting division in football. Maybe the NFC East. I mean, the NFC East is certainly up there. But with the AFC West, I mean, you have the Chiefs who won, what, 12 games last year. Yep. They were the number two seed in the AFC, and they very well probably should have beaten Pittsburgh last year in the divisional round. And then all of a sudden, they draft Patrick Mahomes, and the window for this the Super Bowl hopes and aspirations that the Chiefs have look like it's kind of closing a little bit, and it looks like they're going to flip this around and try and go with a lot more youth in the future. So it's really interesting because they're in this kind of middle ground where they they have the next guy and they're kind of trying to rush him because he's almost like he's almost ready. But at the same time, you still have a pretty, I mean, middle-aged Alex Smith who can still get it done. You have a team that still could be a Super Bowl contender even this year. And you and Oakland individual two teams that could also win 12 to 14 games. So I think the AFC West is absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I, yeah, think, I actually think there could be a lot of disappointment in that division. You go ahead, Scott. I, th- I think the top two teams in that division are sort of clear in the Chiefs and the Raiders, and I think the Broncos are a step behind, honestly, with Simeon, Osweiler, Paxton, Lynch, whoever you want to throw at quarterback, just because you lack so much in that position. And if you're looking at the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs are the best in that division. You could never really scheme for Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey is going to get you 90 to 100 yards every single game when he's healthy. And then their defense always seems to bend and not break. And if you're looking at it, you have Alex Smith, more than a game manager now at this point in his career. Never really thought that we would say that. And then, Denner, you mentioned Mahomes. I don't think Mahomes is going to have an impact this season. I say you sit him out for this one season. And you see what this team can do because they really turned it on last year. They went 6-0 and in the division last year against the Raiders and the Broncos and then the Chargers, obviously. I look at it like they're not going to go 6-0 and again. We know that. But I think the Chiefs will win the division with the Raiders as a close second. And then the Broncos are going to be competing for that wild card spot. Because the Raiders didn't lose anyone. They continued to get better. And then the Broncos are sort of the same. The Broncos just stayed the same. They cut T.J. Ward. 
They added Brock Osweiler back again, but that doesn't really matter. And then they kept both their wide receivers. So you look at it, I don't think, I think they all might regress one game. But when you're looking in terms of the lines this year, because like the Chiefs, the Chiefs were supposedly lucky last year and won two or more games than they should have. But now their line's at nine. So if their line's at nine or nine and a half, I see the Chiefs getting to double digits. Same with the Raiders. And the Broncos are going to be right around the 9-10 win mark. Yeah, I pretty much agree with you. I, I think they're going to be a lot more bunched together this year. I I don't think the Raiders are going to be as good. I just We know that progress as a team isn't, and growth isn't necessarily linear. And I think this may be a year where they kind of plateau, if not take a step back. And it's not a, not a personnel thing. It's just tough for a team that young with that little experience, especially in season, to have prolonged success. And we saw, I mean, we saw the Panthers two years ago have a huge year and go to the Super Bowl and then fall off the map this year, uh, the following year. And I think, I'm not saying a similar thing is going to happen with the Raiders, but it's not something that's unprecedented. And, you know, I think the Chargers may win six or seven games, maybe even they win eight games, and they really bunch things up in that division. See, I'll, I, I'll still say this, and it may be a little out there and maybe a little outlandish and unexpected, but... Until anyone else in the AFC proves anything to me, the Broncos are still the only team that I fear is a threat to the Patriots. And the reason I say that is because we've seen what this defense – and it, I know it's – there are some worries there. I mean, they lost T.J. Ward. Wade Phillips – I mean, after Kubiak left and Wade Phillips left, so now he's not there. He's not running that defense. And we saw how talented that defense was under Wade Phillips. But we saw what that defense can do with basically no no contribution from any offense whatsoever when they were under Peyton Manning. They still won the Super Bowl. I expect Von Miller to be better next year. Um, losing to Marcus Ware will be tough, but I think Shane Ray will, bounce, will step up. And I, I mean, they still have the they still have the best secondary in the NFL, bar none. So. Until anyone can play defense at that level and can really challenge, because the only team that's beating the Patriots is a team that can pressure them and force turnovers. And really the only team in the AFC that can do that is Denver. So I think regardless of their quarterback position, because I, I, I do think Trevor Simeon is going to take some step forward, steps forward this year. I, I thought I saw a lot of potential last year. He has a strong arm. But, I mean, they sort of babied him a little bit. They didn't take the training wheels off very early and it, it took a little bit of, of a while for them to get into a rhythm and I think that if this team makes the playoffs they're going to be a team that absolutely nobody wants to face including myself well if we're going to talk about the quarterback position we have to move to the AFC mm-hmm. zone because that in my opinion is the most interesting division when you look at quarterbacks for each team now this is a division talk about a division that can go either way I have no idea what's going to happen here. If I have to pick, I'm going to take Tennessee. It seems like it's their turn to break out. I mean, you have Mariota, who's who's healthy, and Derrick Henry had a huge camp. And obviously, DeMarco Murray's back. And that they've really committed to their defense and their offensive line play, their defensive line play. And I think that's the team that should win that division. With that said, Andrew Luck's the best player in the division. And... Houston still probably 
has the best defense, even if their quarterback position is shaky. So it could go any way between those three teams. And Jacksonville will improve. Their defense is good enough. If Leonard Fournette is good enough in the running game, they'll win some games. But without a true quarterback, they're going to be a mess. Yeah, I mean, I, I really agree with you here pretty much on everything you said. I think that Houston, as great as their defense is, and it's going to be – that's going to be exponentially better this year with the with J.J. Watt coming back after basically being out the entire year, although losing A.J. Boye is going to be tough. Tom Savage is not the answer. Deshaun Watson is the answer in Houston – and who knows how long it's going to take for Deshaun Watson to even be named the starter. Is it going to be week six? Is it going to be week ten? If Houston, because Houston, we know how good Houston's defense is, they're going to probably win them some games. They did it with Brock Osweiler last year and got them in the playoffs. So how hesitant will Bill O'Brien be to pull Tom Savage, especially if they're six and three or six and four, even though there's not much, they're not doing much offensively. So until Deshaun Watson's a starting quarterback for that team. And, I mean, he's still a rookie. He still made mistakes. He still made a lot of mistakes last year at Clemson. There's going to be a learning curve there. So until that quarterback situation's figured out, they can't really be a true threat. I really like Tennessee. Like you said, I mean, they have weapons across the board between that one-two punch and DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. They added Eric Decker. They added – I think they drafted Corey Davis. Yeah. Um, and Tyler Taylor. And on top of that, I mean, Mariota's just a monster. I, I still, I mean, he looked pretty good in limited action in preseason. I am interested to see how those real, real regular season game hits are going to affect him in the pocket. Um, and I mean, the Colts are a joke. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all in on Tennessee. So here's my issue. I like Tennessee a lot. I love their offense. I love their players fantasy-wise. I think it's going to be a big year in Tennessee and a big leap forward offensively. I'm worried about their defense. We've sat here and we've talked about him for about seven minutes by now and have barely yet to mention their defense. Versus, <laughs> versus when you're talking about Houston, you only talk about their defense. But if you're comparing the like, if you're comparing Houston's offense to Tennessee's defense, I would rather have... Houston's offense, because yes, we've seen that Tom Savage is a bad quarterback. I think you should start Deshaun Watson by like week four at latest, but they probably won't. But they've also proven that they can do that with a bad quarterback. How worried are you about at the quarterback position when they just dealt with Brock Osweiler and won nine games when this guy was a negative? They paid draft picks to get him off their team. I, I look at Houston... I really want to be able to take Tennessee, but I can't put him over Houston with J.J. Watt coming back. A, the best defensive player or at worst top three defensive player. Here's the thing, though. I don't think that this is a division anymore that nine games can get you the title. I, I think that they, I think that if, Texas, if Houston wants to win this division, they're going to have to win 11 or 12 games. Because I think, I think Tennessee is probably going to win at least 10. I, I look at it and I see – I don't see anyone in the division getting to 12. I think if you get 11, you will win the division. And if you get 10, you may tie the division. You may win it. And Definitely, but, but, I mean, you're going to have to win at least 11 games to win this division most likely. And until Houston has a real quarterback, do we think – because here's the thing is that you can't, you can't win a title with a bad defense. 
but you can win 11 or 12 games with a bad defense. The Patriots proved it from 2008 to 2013. I mean, they did it year in and year out. Yeah. And, I mean, we saw we see the Packers do it every year. We see the Cow- the Cowboys for years. And the Colts uh, for a couple of years. The, so, <laughs> if Mariota plays the way that he should with all the weapons that he has – more more often than not in the regular season, they're going to be able to outscore teams. Now, once they get to the playoffs, that's a different ball game. But I think that in the regular season, unless that Houston, unless that Houston defense is going to do what the Denver defense did a few years ago and basically score a third of their points, then I ha- I have trouble seeing Houston win more than ten games. I think if you don't have a good quarterback. You have a pretty clear ceiling, unless you have a like unless, unless you have one of the best defenses of all time, like Denver did in 2015. Uh, Tennessee, I think, could be improved enough on the defensive end to make things interesting. And, and I mean, you said they're not going to get 12 wins. I mean, 12 wins probably gets you a bye, right? So then I don't think Tennessee's going to get a bye. But if they win 10 or 11 games, I I agree. I think they should win the division. I mean, I don't think. I think Houston has a, has a serious ceiling, and Jacksonville's not going to get there. So, and and the, and the thing we, is, both those teams will be fun to watch, and then Jacksonville's going to be super fun to watch, and so the division's going to be great. Division's one of the most interesting divisions. And Indianapolis, I mean, say what you want, know, but Andrew Luck won eight games last year with with outer shoulder. But they're so, not they're not fun yeah. to watch without Andrew Luck. No, if Luck's not playing, they're going to not win any games. Yeah. Here's a question, and I mean, I know this kind of sounds ridiculous because, I mean, Andrew Luck is 27 years old. But would it be worth it to bench him for the year? Because he's been battling these injuries for three years at this point. And he's been in and out of the lineup, and there's been no continuity. There's been no consistency. And he'll play six games, and he'll make a bunch of mistakes, and then he'll get hurt because he's never healthy. His shoulder's been messed up for so long. They, they're they prolonging this injury by not, not getting him surgery. And I know it's ridiculous to have your quarterback sit out for an entire season. But also, from an intellectual standpoint, would it be the worst thing? For Andrew Luck to sit on the sideline, he's a smart guy, but he makes a lot of bad decisions on the football field when he is healthy. But they should be Andrew Luck's not their problem. Out for an entire season and just watch, and on top of that, finally get healthy. And we know how we know how athletic he is and how talented he is. He would only be 28, and we know the shelf life of a quarterback is continuing to extend. We see it with Drew Brees, and we see it with Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, and we see it with Tom Brady. He could still have another 10 to 12 years in him, but if he continues to prolong this injury and not actual, not seek the proper treatment, then that that could legitimately derail it, derail his career a lot earlier than a lot would hope. I think the shoulder injury is an issue, <laughs> and if they think that his shoulder needs more time, they need to give his shoulder as much time as it needs. I think that goes without saying. He's not going to learn anything from watching Scott Tolzien and Chloe Brissett make mistakes. And and this is his, what, fifth year in the league? You look at a lot of quarterbacks, they take time to develop. Fifth year in the league is when Cam Newton had his breakout season. Matt Ryan had his breakout season last year, and he's been in the league longer than that. But it, it 
Well, Andrew Luck's been really, really good, but he hasn't gotten over that hump yet. And you can't expect him to, to say, well, hey, it's been four years and he's made some bad decisions. I think uh, those are things that you work through, you play through as you get older, you oh, get better, and you you get rid of those mistakes. Here's the thing. How do you expect him to hit his prime and make that jump when he's injured? Well, as, if, it's, if he's injured, that's a different story. And I don't think there's a, there's a possibility that that injury could be – Less of a threat come like week six, and maybe it's less painful. I wouldn't say less of a threat. The pain level decreases dramatically from where it is now to week five or six, and he's saying I can go out there and play. But what's the point when you know your team's not your roster is not Super Bowl caliber top top to bottom? And I know it's it kind of sounds ridiculous because it's almost like tanking, but it's like you waste it's it's kind of wasting a season. But at the same time, it's wasting one se- it's it's wasting one season to have a healthy Andrew Luck for the next twelve years. Well, if it's about his health, you keep him out. But if put imagine this scenario though, you're in a wide open division. You have a team that's good enough to win the division potentially, or at least get a wild card spot. And God forbid, if anything ever happened to Tom Brady, the AFC is wide open. Any team could win. It wouldn't surprise me. So you're one low hit away from being a Super Bowl a contender to go to the Super Bowl. I don't think you hold out Andrew Luck if that's the case. Well, you have to win your division first before you can be considered a contender to go to the Super Bowl. You think they're beating Kansas City, Pittsburgh? It wouldn't surprise me if it's the Colts beat Kansas City in the playoffs. That's not that's not going to surprise me. Andrew, they, they can't even get out of their division, and it's not going to surprise you because Andrew Luck can win you a game. I don't think it's. I think you guys are agreeing. Lynch is just saying. If he's back and healthy, he should be playing. And I think, Denry, you would agree with that as well. As long as there's not a long-term injury risk, then you should play him. Like, there's no point in... If you've gone 12 games and he's healthy and he's going to be fine injury-wise, there's no point in holding him out the last four games to try to tank to go get Sam Darnold when you have a 28-year-old Andrew Luck on your roster. Because that just doesn't make sense anymore. And if you're sitting there with the first pick, then you maybe try to trade it but you gotta you gotta ride out Andrew Luck. He's still a really good quarterback, and we've seen what he can do when he's on and when he's in his prime. Because he's carried absolutely awful Colts defenses and Colts teams to the AFC Championship. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's move to the NFC. Unless you guys have a burning desire to talk about the Baltimore Ravens. No. Okay. Um, NFC. Steelers, NFC Steelers East. are a little overrated going into the year. Fair. Very okay. fair. Uh, the NFC East, Dallas. Dominated last year. Ezekiel Elliott, up in the air. Not a legal expert. I really have no idea what's going on. Um, what, we know when we're gonna... reco- what we know when we're recording this is the suspension got upheld for six games, but he'll be able to play week one. Not full details have come out. Here's what I want to talk about first, though. Scott, your boys, Philadelphia Eagles, 7-9 last year with Carson Wentz. Everyone's talking about how Carson Wentz this and Carson Wentz that. Is Philly ready to make a push at a wild card spot? Now, you're right. Everyone's talking about Carson Wentz. And I'm going to say what I said all last season. We're going to need to pump the brakes because both NFC East quarterbacks are going to regress a little bit this year and have that sophomore slump and not quite be able to keep up with their their – quote-unquote, stardom from last year and their stats from last year because 
in my mind, the Eagles are the worst team in the division. With Wentz, I think that besides Wentz getting better, hopefully, that no, they didn't improve the team anywhere else. You lose Jordan Matthews, you have Nelson Aguilar as your top wide receiver now, and it's just you have no weapons for him anymore. Ryan Matthews is gone as well. You have Darren Sproles and LeGarrette Blunt in the backfield. It's not a good offensive line. I don't know what Carson Wentz has to work with. You look at what they're doing with Mariota in Winston, they're surrounding him with a lot of young talent that gives that gives both quarterbacks a lot of options. The Eagles did the opposite of that this year. Only Zach Ertz is there for Carson Wentz. And defensively, I like Brandon Graham a lot still, but their secondary still is a lot to improve on. I think the Eagles are by far the worst team with the Redskins coming in second to last, but Kirk Cousins giving them the extra bump and their multitude of offensive weapons throwing-wise. I agree with you. I think the Eagles stink. I mean, I think realistically when it comes down to it, this – and <clears throat> I'll say this. The Redskins aren't a bad team either. I like what Kirk Cousins can do. I think that they have a lot of weapons. I think that their defense is mediocre. But this defense really comes down to Dallas and the Giants. And it's – it's. I, and by the way, the Redskins stink too. People – it's just because they have Kirk Cousins and a couple weapons. But they stink too. It's a pretty dramatic drop-off from where the talent level is in Dallas and New York to where it is in Philly and Washington. Agreed. And I so have, I have the I am, I, Go ahead. I really hope that Zeke plays on Sunday night just because I want to see the fully equipped Dallas Cowboys against the fully equipped New York Giants and see them go head-to-head in prime time. And then... Then Zeke gets the six games off, and we'll go from there with Dallas and see how Dak adapts and kind of takes over as the primary leader option weapon on this offense. But I want to see these two heavyweights go head-to-head on Sunday night because I think that that would be a ton of fun. When it comes down to it, though, I still think that the Cowboys – are the best team in this division. I think that Dallas will win 12 games and the Giants will win. The Giants, as dramatic underachievers, will win 11 games. I think the Giants are, are fine. I mean, I they have a really good defense and they have really, really, really good weapons. But their offensive line is so-so and they have zero running game. And Eli Manning is getting older. I think if Eli Manning didn't have... Odell Beckham and Brandon Marshall and Sterling Shepard and players like that, that he would be starting to wither away into a quarterback who maybe on the Joe Flacco level. So I think that from that standpoint, the Giants are vulnerable. If if Odell misses a couple weeks or if the ankle's not 100% healthy, maybe Brandon Marshall's older than we think he is and maybe Eli doesn't quite have it, that could turn into a super defensive-centric team. I think they'll be okay, though. Dallas, I mean, the offensive line won't be as good, but it'll still be really good. They get Jalen Smith defensively, who I'm super excited for as a Notre Dame fan. Um, but their defense is, is good. It's it's good. It's above average. They kill the clock with that running game, and maybe they won't have that as much as with Zeke being out for six weeks. I expect both teams to not live up to expectations, but both be pretty good and not be teams you want to see in the playoffs. So, I mean, I, I think they'll both probably finish with 10 or 11 wins. 
All right, so here's the thing. The Giants' defense last year carried them. They were a defensive-centric team last year. Their offense was terrible. Yeah, they had Odell. Yeah, they have Eli and Sterling Shepard. But their offense was terrible statistically. You look at it, and their defense it is returning almost everyone this, this year. So they're going to be just as good. I don't see why they'll regress in that nature. And then you add Evan Ingram, Brandon Marshall to the offense. Shane Vereen's coming back to add another passing threat out of the backfield. I look at that and I see the Giants as the team to beat in the division right now because I this is assuming Zeke's missing six games at some point in the season because Dak is overrated. Dak last year, when there was a point halfway through the season when he was in the MVP conversation, that was a joke. That was a joke when you look at his numbers compared to Brady's, Matt Ryan's, or even Elliott's. That was one of the biggest jokes. He managed the team well. I don't think he can carry the team at this point in his career without Elliott running the ball 24-7. And no offense to Darren McFadden and Alfred Morris, there's certainly no Zeke Elliott behind, behind center. And so I think the Cowboys will probably be one game behind the Giants, but I look for the Giants to take the division title this year because they're going to want the home field advantage against someone like the Cowboys. And both of them, it's going to be a lot on the stake just to win the division this year. So I have the Giants over them by about a game. Here's a question, though. Do With how stacked the, the rest of the NFC is between Green Bay and Atlanta and I'm missing someone. So here's the thing. One team's yeah. coming out of the NFC South. Green Bay, Atlanta, and Seattle. Yep. Do you think uh, Do you think that either team from the NFC East can get a first-round bye? Yes, I do, and I think both of them are going to make the playoffs. One of them is going to get a first-round bye. I look at it, and I'm going to say there's only two two teams out of the NFC East in contention for a first-round bye, and it's going to be a shock to you. It's the Packers and the Seahawks. The Falcons dropping off this year. I There's no way Matt Ryan does what he did last year. Julio Jones never stays healthy, already has a foot issue. He's going to miss at least three games. I look at the Falcons, It's the, everything went for, right for them last year. They had no injuries. Everyone stayed healthy on both sides of the ball. And it, it, it was like the Panthers. Everything went right, right for them the 15-1 season, and then they dropped off dramatically. I don't think the, uh, Fal- I don't think the Falcons they, will win, win the division. I think uh, the, Bucks, the Bucks or the Panthers will win the division because both those teams are improved from last year. And it's going to be a, a lot tougher of a division than – people think Falcons are not going to run, run away with it. And I don't think the Falcons are going to make the playoffs. The Falcons, I'm going to, it's tough here because I mean, they're the last team I want to see in the Super Bowl again, but the Falcons are going to win 14 games this year. I mean, it's, it's not even, they're by far the fastest team. Both sides, basically both sides of the ball. They're the quickest team. They're the most difficult team to defend. It doesn't... I mean, you're saying, oh, there's this dramatic drop-off from the Panthers and the same thing's going to happen with the Falcons. Yeah, but the Panthers lost Calvin Benjamin for an entire year. The Panther, the only person Cam Newton had to throw the ball had to throw the ball to was Greg Olson and Ted Ginn. They had no form of a running game and they lost Josh Norman and Luke Kuechly was out basically for the entire year with a head injury. So... Everything went wrong for the Panthers, plus Cam started turning the ball over at an accelerated rate. The Falcons, on the other hand, 
have the best wide receiver in the NFL. Or I'm maybe not the best, but the most difficult wide receiver to defend in the NFL. They have two running backs who can beat you on the ground and in the air, and they're basically impossible to cover. Taylor Gabriel continues to absolutely terrorize people in the slot. Mohamed Sanu is no slouch as a third wide receiver. He's a big guy, and he's going to continue to cause problems. And, I mean, yeah, people are saying, oh, Matt Ryan's not cut out. They're going to have the Super Bowl. They're going to have the Super Bowl hangover. Here's the thing. It's like you can't have the Super Bowl hangover if you're just too talented. It's like the like the, he's going to have wide receivers that are going to be open at all times. That offensive line continues to get better, and Alex Mack's actually going to be healthy this year, which he wasn't in the playoffs. I mean, you saw what they were doing to teams in the playoffs. They were absolute. They were hanging fifty on people's necks week in and week out. And on top of that, they had an extremely young defense that until the with until two minutes left in the third quarter. In the Super Bowl, and after the Patriots had already run 70 plays, absolutely terrorized the Patriots offense. I mean, that pass rush was an absolute issue that I don't have to – I mean, I as a Patriots fan, I don't want to ever have to deal with that again. Grady Jarrett is a young player. I mean, he dominated as a one technique. Uh, Vic Beasley, young, continues to get better. Dwight Freeney. I mean, still old. Uh, he's actually he's not even in Atlanta anymore. But they have a, a ton of young pass ton of young pass rushers. They're getting Desmond Trufant back. Alford's good. Keanu Neal's good. They have a really young, gr- good group of linebackers. That team is stacked from top to bottom. And this isn't the Mike Smith Atlanta Falcons anymore. This is the Dan Quinn Atlanta Falcons, who has a young defense that flies around. He used to coach that Seattle. D- I mean. T- Atlanta's going to win 14 games, and they're going to make it back to the Super Bowl, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm somewhere in the middle. Uh, here's my thing about Atlanta. Everything did go right for them last season. And there's a point where Matt Ryan's been in the league long enough that we know what he is. And his touchdown rate last year was off the charts. And I agree with you, Scott. I mean, Julio Jones has shown no ability to stay healthy for extended stretches of time, never mind two straight seasons already dealing with that foot who he's, he's had problems with. If that acts up, now that's a much more reliance on their running game because what Julio Jones opens up for them is, I mean, you have to double him the whole game. So he makes Mohamed Sanu better. He makes Taylor, Taylor Gabriel better. I think their offense will be worse. I think their defense will be better. I think they're going to end up around where they ended up last season. Not a team that I'd want to play in the playoffs, but I think, I think seeing a regression is expected especially on the offensive end i mean defensively they could definitely get better and that's why you could still see them ending up around 11 wins and winning that division but it wouldn't surprise me if they won nine games it wouldn't surprise me if if they were a wild card team and it also wouldn't surprise me if they built on what they did last season all i know is that matt ryan isn't as good as he was last year he's not that good of a quarterback we've seen him play for almost a decade in the league and he's above average and last year, he had, a, he had an historic season. He had an awesome season last season. And he's not going to do it again. He's just not going to. So I think we're better defensively, worse offensively. I think they'll be a, a similar team overall. And another thing is, is they made a huge run in the playoffs last year. And it's tough to get that hot that late in the season, in consecutive seasons. And I think they got hurt him in the playoffs. Especially if they, if they have to play 
in some inclement weather that could really slow them down. But I see, I just sit here and I'm saying, across the board, who can stop that? Because that entire offense is a problem, especially if they're playing at home. I mean, they are, I mean, Bill, I mean, the Patriots said it. They said it was, they were by far the fastest team that we had played all season. It wasn't even close. They're a fast team. They're a physical team. And they, they're not, a, they'll hang 50 on your neck and they're not afraid to hit you on defense. And I mean, yeah, there are obviously some question marks going into the season. Kyle Shanahan's not there anymore. So, I mean, definitely going to be interesting to see how they replace him. And, <coughs> sorry, but I, I mean, and I, obviously the questions of continuity for Matt Ryan, and we've seen it year in, year out. If they'll go 13-3 one year, and then they'll go 7-9 the next year. I just think it's a different, I think it's a different core it's a different coaching staff. It's a different mentality. And I, just, I personally just think that they're so much more talented than everyone else. And they've been, they've had that talent and they, I mean, they increased it. But now they have the coaching to go along with it. Well, the two teams that are going to compete with them outside of the NFC East are the Green Bay Packers and the Seattle Seahawks. And they meet on Sunday night. Um, I'm always a Seahawks guy. I think the Seahawks are really good again, and I'm not going to bet against them. I'm not saying they're the best team in the league. I'm saying it's a hard team for me to look at and say Team X is going to beat them, and that's just how I feel about it. Green Bay, I'm worried a little worried about Green Bay. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tad concerned that Jordan Nelson is 32, 33 years old, that Devontae Adams actually isn't good at football, and Randall Cobb has fallen off the map the last couple of years. They don't have a running game. I mean, Ty Montgomery's fine, but he's not a running game. And I'd their say fine's even generous. Uh, yeah, and, and their defense isn't that good, and it's aging. So I would say I'm a bit a bit concerned about what Green Bay is going to be able to do. I'll also say this. Until Russell Wilson can show me some legitimate consistency at the quarterback position and not put up 30 points one week and then put, put up three points in next week with six picks and actually carry a team that not that doesn't have the most elite defense of all time like they did in 2013 2014 or up there at least then i don't really believe in the seahawks as a true threat either yeah they're going to be a playoff team they're going to win that division but when they have to go to atlanta in january like they did last year is atlanta going to hang 45 on their neck again or can they actually compete i mean it's until Russell Wilson can prove that he can carry that team and that, that that defense doesn't have to have the utmost pressure on them from the start of the game to the end of the game, especially especially in those big moments and the down the stretch in the playoff games, then I can't trust Seattle either. That's why I'm so high in Atlanta, and I agree with what you said about Korea Bay. There are a ton of questions. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is a problem I don't ever want to have to deal with either, and I mean, the addition of Martellus Bennett's going to be really nice. Getting Jordy Nelson back will be nice, but then again, there are age question marks. Um, and what's going to happen with Randall Cobb and what's going to happen with that running game? And their defense, it improved, but still not where it needs to be. So that's why I'm so high on Atlanta. So I agree. I, then again, I see the Seahawks the got a lot better defensively. They added, Sheldon, they added Sheldon Richardson. They added Justin Coleman. They added some pieces. Hopefully, Russell Wilson can play a little bit better. Hopefully, they can get more consistency from the running game. It's pretty wide open in the NFC right now. 
I sound confident in my Atlanta pick, and I, I make it sound so clear-cut. But at the same time, there are five teams that are capable of winning winning that conference. And I'm going to I'm gonna throw six in there. Um, you're not going like, to like it, Denver, <coughs> but it's the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, I, I agree. Arizona is always capable of winning that conference, too. I, yeah. Arizona was a team that was – I predicted – I mean, I predicted incorrectly, but I had them winning 13 or 14 games last year, and Carson Palmer fell off the map. If he can get back and if he can be an average or above-average quarterback, that team's defense and running game is incredible. And it would be enough to win them 12, 13 games. I I agree with almost everything that's been said. Just quick extra thought on the Seahawks. If they lose to the Rams again or tie the Rams, I'm going to strangle someone. They should smack the Rams every single day of the week. Jared Goff should have 15 yards total at the end of the game. So this like they got to start taking everyone in their division seriously, and that's part of Russell Wilson being consistent. And no. I think I think the Cardinals will push him this year. I like Lynch don't, was all on the Cardinals bandwagon last year. I was all on it, going all for Carson Palmer, going fourteen and two, winning the NFC, having home field advantage throughout, being in the Super Bowl, and then they were absolutely awful. And I think this is the type where it's either make or break for their franchise in the next like two or three years because they're either going to bounce back this season or not. And I think they'll bounce back and they'll be a contender for that last wild card spot between them in Atlanta, in my mind. And it'll be really interesting to see which one of those two make it into the wild card. I'm telling you right now, don't sleep on uh, the Rams winning nine games this year. Don't sleep on the Rams winning nine games this year. Jared Goff stinks. I know he has a good camp. As As someone with Jared Goff on his dynasty fantasy football league, that is one of the worst decisions I've ever made in my life. And... Even as a backup quarterback, I cannot have faith in Jared Goff winning any games in football. So, I mean, don't sleep for one pick in the draft. I expect improvement. Don't but having sleep. a winning record, I think, is going to be a little ambitious. Don't sleep on the Rams winning nine games this year. I think. I, I also think the other playoff contender could be the Bucks. I expect Jameis to take a huge leap this year with all the weapons he has around him and that defense to also improve. And so, I see the Bucks being a wild card contender, but. Let's get to the top two teams in each conference, and then let's get some Super Bowl picks. Um, uh, I mean, I, I don't even need. I mean, it doesn't matter in the AFC. The Patriots are going to make it to the Super Bowl, um, barring any dramatic improvement from Trevor Simeon, and they're going to play the winner of the Atlanta Green. They're going to play the winner of the Atlanta New York Giants game. And it's going to be Atlanta. And the Patriots are going to beat Atlanta again. Yeah, I think the Raiders could be interesting um, if they decide to make progress instead of regress, which, I mean, they likely will. Um, But, yeah, it's tough to pick against the Pats. NFC, every year I pick the same team, and I'll pick them again this year. I'll take the Seahawks. I... Yeah, Patriots are in the AFC Championship game. I'm going to take the Raiders in the AFC Championship game, even though I think the Chiefs will have a better regular season than the Raiders. Um, And then NFC-wise, I'll go with the Giants making it there as well. And um, see, I I always take the Seahawks. 
and I don't know why, but I'm just counting the Seahawks back there. And I'm going to have a oh, – see, I just, I'm going to have Patriots-Giants Super Bowl. I don't know why I'm in on the Giants this year, but I think the Giants are that good, and I, but I got the Patriots over the Giants. Well, I think that wraps us up for today. Um, thanks for listening, and we'll have some NFL college football content coming up for you guys. Um, we'll talk to you next time.